Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. And whether you realize it or not, those things are beginning to boil right this minute. Things are happening. You're, and whether North Korea is shooting off missiles, South Korea is shooting off missiles, Russia and China are engaging together. Iran is plotting against Saudi Arabia. Uh, you've got uh, Iran and Iraq plotting against Israel. You've got the uh, the things that are happening in Africa right this minute. You've got you've got the, the whole world is becoming unstable. 60 to 70 percent of Haiti is controlled by gangs. You just look at it, everything is boiling, boiling, boiling. And so prophetically, we have to get our lives ready. We're so caught up in what's happening in our everyday life that we many times we forget there's a world that's going on. And the reason that these things that we need to understand about the things that are going on in the world is because they're affect, they're about to affect you and I. Inflation is one of those things that as we look at inflation and, and we see the gas prices going up and our pocketbooks not quite going as far as they used to go, all of a sudden you realize that world events are now coming into your house. Well, just like inflation, the cost of gas and food and everything else is coming to your house, the, the creeds of the, of the nations are about to come into your house. The ethos of the people that are around this nation are going to begin to influence even the church, and the church is going to embrace sin, and they're going to declare that sin is righteousness, and righteousness is sin. You're going to see things that you can't imagine, and so from a prophetic standpoint, you have to know who you are. Pastor Herman's been talking about your identity. You have to know. You have to be solid. The foundation cannot be shaky. It's got to be a foundation that's built on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and one of the ways that we know that we've had a we have those things is because we've had an encounter with the Lord. If you hadn't had an encounter with the Lord, I'm going to pray you have an encounter with the Lord today before you leave this place. I want you to understand who our God is, because our God is mighty. I also then went on the next time, and when I came, I came as one that would be an encourager, an exhorter. And I told you that our God is always faithful. We serve a faithful God no matter what. And so we can stake our lives on the faithfulness of God's promises. We don't ever have to question or worry about whether God's going to do his part. All we have to worry about is like Dion said, are we going to be present? Or are we going to run away from the battle? We have this fight or flight mentality and too often we just want to run away from what's going on. And God's saying, you've got to run to it. In my lifetime, God's put me in positions where I couldn't run away if I I wanted to. If I could, I probably would, but God says there's nowhere to run to, so you might as well run into the battle. You might as well run into the fray and meet the enemy head on. The Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against who? Against his church. The gates of hell shall not prevail. I want you to know gates are not charging you. You're charging the gates of hell. It's when you decide to enter the fray, when you decide that you're going to be the one that is taking the battle to the enemy, you're not going to sit around and let the enemy continue to bring it to you because what he does is he beats the snot out of you while you're sitting there. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't want the snot beat out of me. And so I just want to encourage you this morning to this place of full surrender. You know, I, I do this thing quite often. I, I quote the Apostles' Creed. When I was younger, I learned it in the Presbyterian Church, but it didn't mean much to me. 
It didn't mean much more than the than the uh, model prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, I don't know how many of y'all pray that or how many of you confess, make the Apostles' Creed confession. But as I've gotten older, some of those things that I did when I was in, as a young man have come back to have real meaning to me. Even some of the songs that we sang, the highbrow songs that we sang in the Presbyterian church had absolutely no meaning to me. I thought they were pretty, but they really didn't mean anything to me. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to bring the reality of the worship that was coming forth out of those songs and the declaration of who God was. And when we begin to declare who God is, there's something that happens on the inside of us that begins to transform us and change us. If we declare who the world says we are, it's nothing but a lie, but it also transforms us into what the world wants us to be. And so God has called us into a place to where we say what He says. In the Apostles' Creed, what they were trying to do, they didn't have enough Bibles to give out to everybody. And so they wanted to condense it into a belief system that could be easily memorized, easily stated, and it could be leaned on to the point that people would know what they believed and they couldn't be shaken from that thing. Now I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but it starts out, I believe in God the Father Almighty. Who do you believe in? Who do you believe in? So I believe in God the Father Almighty. Not just any God. I believe in the God that created the heavens and the earth. I believe in the God that spoke and things happened. I believe in the God that created not only the heaven and the earth, but He called everything into existence that does exist. And so I can't say that I believe in God the Father without understanding who God is and what He has done. You see, He is not only my Father, the Almighty, but He is the Maker of heaven and earth. And I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. I have a Savior that I believe in. And you want to ask me how I know I'm saved? It's because I believe that my Savior hung on that cross and died, and He that that knew no sin became sin. Not that He just took my sins. The Word said He became sin. He became every ugly, putrid thing that I have ever done, everything I have ever thought, everything that I have ever conceived, and he added to yet everything that you've ever conceived. And He became that. Yeah, come on. Give God praise. Give God praise. And so if I'm going to find my standing point, if I'm going to play it, find my place that's unshakable, it's going to be in the fact that I serve God the Creator, but He's not only the Creator, He's my Father. He gave life to me. He loved me. He made provision for me. He said He wanted to spend eternity with me. He made a way where I could come and I could hug on His neck and He could hug on my neck and tell me He loved me. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. He is worthy of our praise. But our confessions and our, and and the things that consume us are so far outside the realm of the kingdom that we lose focus and we lose identity and we become distracted by the things of the world. And when we get distracted by the things of the world, we forget that God is still in control. Our God, He is the one who possesses all knowledge and all wisdom. There is absolutely nothing that God does not know. If there's something your God doesn't know, He's not God. Let's say that one more time. If there's something your God doesn't know, 
He's not God. Our God possesses all power. There's nothing he cannot do. How about your God? If there's something he can't do, he's not, through, he's not God. Our God is ever-present. He is forever with each of us. He is not constrained by time, distance, or power. There's no a power that can restrain my God. How about your God? When I say I believe in God, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about something that's been carved by hands. I'm not talking about a cross that we can hold up. I'm talking about the Almighty God that created the heavens and the earth. I'm talking about the God that holds the universe in the palm of His hand. I've said this many times. We talk about God as if He is within creation. That would be like saying Steve Jobs is inside your iPhone. My God is not contained by this universe. I want you to understand my God is outside this universe. He contains everything in the palm of His hand. And yet He has made things so minute that even microscopes and the very thing that scientists can do, they can't figure it out. They can't see it. They just know that it's there. Why do they know that it's there? Because it has to be in order to function. Whether scientists know it or not, they prove my God almost daily. Then they take a stand against them and I say, man, you've got to be some kind of dumb to take a stand against the Almighty God who is the creator of heaven and earth. Pastor Joshua Chang called me the other day and he, and he talked to me and prayed with me and encouraged me. And then he sent me this little thing in text. He said, this is the confidence we have when we come to Him. This is the confidence that you and I can have when we pray. This is the confidence that we can have that our God loves us. This is the confidence that we know that we are special to God, that we're not just some creation hung out there and God said, oh, let's see what they're going to do now. Let's see how they handle this situation. He said, this is the confidence we have when we come to Him. What God cannot do, what God cannot fix, what God cannot solve, does not exist. You need, amen, give God praise. You need to write that one down and read it to yourself every day. Because we empower things around us with power that it should not have. We have given life to things that have no life. We have given authority to things that have no authority. We need to ask ourselves a few questions honestly. And is that, do I really know God? Or am I like so many other people when I ask them, do you know God? Oh yeah, I know God. I know God. Well, how do you know you know God? Because I love Him and I do His will. No. No, they know God because they believe there's somebody that created the universe. Big whooping deal. So does Satan. So does Satan. Do you really know God? When I ask you that question, do you know Him? I'm not talking about intellectually. I'm talking about do you have a spiritual and an, and an emotional connection with the living God that supersedes the things that are in this earth? Is there a love connection that you know that you are loved 
not only are you loved, but that He loves you and you love Him. Do you have that kind of understanding? Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. He said, first and foremost, you've got to believe I am. And not some ab- ab- just abstract power. I had this chiropractor working on me. I don't know if you ever had a chiropractor working on you all or not, but they're interesting people. Chiropractors are. And he's popping all these bones and moving all that stuff. Now, listen, my daddy went to him forever, so I'm not saying anything against, against chiropractors. I, I was a young man, and I popped a disc in my back. I pinched a nerve, and I went to him. The first time I went to him, he straightened it out, and I was out of pain immediately. I said, man, look at these guys. These guys are good. He said, you need to come back for an adjustment. What I realized was there was a money gathering system going on here. You know, you never got healed, just always had to come back over and over again. But I never will forget also, he was adjusting my neck one time, and he got up there, and he put his hand right there, and he goes, pop! He said, "Uh uh-oh. Now, can I tell you, when somebody's messing with your neck, "Uh uh-oh is not what you want to hear. Uh Uh-oh is not the very thing you want to hear. And I'm going, what what, what do you mean, "Uh uh-oh? What do you mean? He said, I pushed it too far. I said, what do you mean you pushed it too far? He said, turn over, let me, let me fix it for you. And so the chiropractor, he got in there and he pushed it again. He said, I think you're going to be all right. I said, you think I'm going to be all right? He said, come back next week. I said, that's all right. My back ain't hurting and my neck don't need your adjustments anymore. I'm through with you. And so we got to talking one day, me and this chiropractor, and he began to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I thought, look here, I got a Christian chiropractor. And then he began to say, you know, he said, it's the energy that's in the earth. I threw up, boy, I had to get thee behind me. He's like, no, I really didn't do that. The Holy Spirit that abides in me is not the energy that abides in the earth. The, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God that dwells in me. He is the one that is tied to the Godhead, and He has chosen to live inside of me. He is a person. He is the leader and the director of my soul and my spirit. He is the one I commune with on a daily basis. He is the one when I wake up in the morning, I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. And when I go to bed at night, I say, good night, Holy Spirit, because that is God with me. He's not energy. He's not wind. He's not a force. He is God. Come on, give God praise. I believe in God. I believe in the God of all creation. I believe in the God that's three in one. I believe in the God that's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, Eddie, we all believe in that. Then are we totally surrendered to that? Matthew 7, 21. He says, but not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. I hate this scripture. I just got to tell you, it scares the mess out of me. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Workers of lawlessness, workers of iniquity, workers who never took time to say, God, what do you want? I'm going to do the good things. I see good things that need to be done. 
There were sons of Sceva that saw, they saw the disciples casting out demons. And so they decided one day they'd do the same thing. Can I tell you, there are so many people in the church, they see somebody do something and they just decide they'll do the same thing. That's a God thing. They haven't talked to the Holy Spirit about it. They don't know whether the Holy Spirit wants them to do that or not. Now with the sons of Sceva, when they went up there and tried to cast it out, they got response, all right. That demon came out and beat the average loving snot out of them, stripped them clothing, sent them off naked and running. Do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? He said, if you love me, you'll do what I command you to do. When he commands you to do something, what he told you is, I've commanded you to love your neighbor. How can you bear and cover unforgiveness in your heart and say, I love God? How can you hate anyone and say, I love God? How can you make a declaration of hatred and spew the things of the enemy against people and say, I love God? God said, it's contradictory. It is not true. Either love you, you love me or you love the world. You're going to act like me or you're going to act like the world. Right now, we see a divided world, and they spew hatred everywhere they go. They spew. They are the voice of the enemy. You want to know who the prophets of Satan are? The false prophets? They're the ones that are spewing hatred. They're the ones that are spewing division. They're the ones that are spewing all kinds of lies and untruth in order to do what they want to do. I promise you I'm going to get somewhere. First question, do you know God? Are you sure you know God? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of those that go, Lord, Lord. That means you got to spend some time with Him. He wants to get to know you. Pastor Herman probably won't appreciate this, but checking off Sunday attendance as your intimate gathering with Jesus for the week just won't cut it. It's important. But you, you need more time with the Holy Spirit. You need more time with Jesus. Second question do you live from a place of conviction, courage, and strength? Or do you live in fear and weakness? Do you get up in the morning and are you worried about how everything's going to come out for that day? Are you worried about what all the world is going to topple on you? Are you going to get up and you're going to worry about, do I have enough money? Do I have a place to sleep? Do I have the, are, you going to work, are you going to operate from a place of fear? What could go wrong? I can remember as a young man... I'd go on trips and I'd get ready to want to call the house because something else had gone wrong. And when I had a good day, this is what was bad. When I had a good day, I got afraid to call the house because I thought, oh, the shoe's fixing to drop. You know, come on, let's just be real honest. How many of you, your team gets on the winning streak and you go, it ain't going to be long until they fall because they're on the winning streak. Can I tell you what? That's living out of weakness and fear, not out of conviction and conversion. Peter, 
left everything he knew, followed Jesus for three years, didn't know where he'd eat, didn't know where he'd sleep, didn't know where he'd be the next day. But he said, Jesus, wherever you go, I'm going with you. Jesus, I want to be there. Peter was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter was there when he said, who do people say that I am? And he told them all kinds of things. He said, Peter, who do you say that I am? He said, you're the Christ. You're the chosen one. He said, flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you, but the Holy Spirit has. He says something very interesting to Peter. King James Version. When thou art converted. When thou art converted. When you're converted. What do you mean, Jesus? You call, I answer. Jesus said, I put that plea out there. Come, call on me and I'll save you. Lord, I confess I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? Thank you, I'm saved. Peter, come and follow me. Okay, thank you, I'm saved. He said, Peter, when you're converted. What? Listen closely. You can pray the prayer and not be converted. Peter gave up a whole way of life to follow him in. Jesus said, you've not yet been converted. Peter said, I'll die before I let anybody touch you, Jesus. Man, the Roman soldiers showed up to take Jesus and Peter takes out a sword and cuts off his ear and said, I'm ready to die. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 Peter. And he heals that ear right there on the spot. Now Peter's confused because Jesus is not meeting his expectation. You see, when the push comes to shove, it's when God is not meeting the expectation that we've placed upon him that we begin to figure out whether we will falter or follow. It was no surprise to Jesus when Peter faltered. He also didn't quit on Peter because he faltered. As a matter of fact, not only did he change him, but he brought him to that very place of conversion that he had asked about earlier. And he said, feed my little lamb, feed my sheep. He came to him and said, you're ready now. The conversion has taken place. What happened in him? He said, Peter, you finally surrendered. And you realize it's not about you. It's about me. It's not about what I want to do or what you want to do on the earth or establishing a natural kingdom on the earth. It's understanding that God the Father has created a kingdom, an unshakable kingdom on the earth. But that unshakable kingdom is of the Spirit and not of the natural. And it's not my will that needs to be done, but it is His will that needs to be done. Amen. Yeah, give God praise. Surrenders when you come to that place and say, not my will, but yours be done. I got to tell you, 
There are some things in my life that I still struggle with. I don't look at me so holy. I know all of y'all are fully surrendered. It's all about God's will and not your will. It's all about what God wants and not what you want. Do you live in that place of conviction and courage? Romans 4.18, in hope. Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his face as he gave glory to God. How did he grow, give, grow strong? He gave glory to God. He didn't look at the circumstances. He didn't look at the fact that he was a hundred years old. He didn't look at the fact that Sarah had already been through menopause. There was no way her womb could conceive a child. He didn't look at the fact that nothing lined up with what God said. He looked at the fact that God was able to keep his promise because he had had a relationship with God since he'd come out of her and that relationship had convinced him that no matter what happened his, his, his glory and his word was true and so he learned how to glorify God not because of the circumstances but because of what God had said come on yeah. but do you know what God said about you but do you know what God said about you? The only way you can find that out is to read His Word and study His Word. You see, people of resolve live with conviction. They're secure and firm. Their decisions are based on, on the biblical standard. It enables them to take a consistent stand against the pressures and persecution and temptation. It's when we know what God said that we stand in that place. People with this kind of inner strength petition God for boldness rather than position themselves for security. Oh, God. Oh, God. My greatest sin, my greatest sin is I want comfort and security. I desire them at almost all costs. Start taking one of those away and I start squirming. I'm like a man in hot water. Over the last year, God's been trying to teach me how to be content in boiling water. How to swim and not drown. How to rejoice and not cry. How to magnify His name and not die. God, give me boldness. If the enemy's going to kick my house... I want to kick his butt. I'm just telling you the truth. If he's going to try to put me in hell, I'm going to try to put as many people in heaven as I possibly can. If he's going to declare sickness and disease, I'm going to declare healing and health. 
if he's going to if he's going to declare fear and frustration i'm going to declare glory and peace i don't care what the enemy declares i know what my god says and my god is totally opposed to the things that the enemy is trying to bring in the earth and i know that one day every knee will bow every tongue will confess but until that day my knee is going to bow and my tongue is going to confess that my god is there amen come on Come on. I promise I'm going to close here in just a minute. Is your life characterized by kingdom activity or by lethargy and passivity? What are you? Are you a name-taking, devil-kicking Christian? Or are you one that's sitting there like this? Don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. God. You see, the devil starts out and he says, You can go here and no further with God. Hallelujah, God. I praise you. I worship you. Magnify God, this is so good. My bills are paid. Everything. The devil says, Back up. You're getting a little too close. And so you back up because I'm more secure here. And you back up. And I'm more secure here. And you back up, and I'm more secure here. But the territory starts getting smaller and smaller. And he starts pressing you more and more into what he wants you to do. And so if that's what the enemy's going to do, what we need to do is come to that line, that demarcation line, and say, no, I'm stepping over. I'm not staying out of the promised land. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be held down by my unbelief. I am going to walk in a place where God says I can walk. He says that I can capture the land. I can take the land. He said I can eat of the fruit. I can eat of the fruit. I'm either going to believe what God said or I'm not. It goes back to what I said to start off with. Is God God or isn't He God? Where are we going to walk? What are we going to do? Are we going to surrender and say, God, I surrender my fear. I forget, surrender my, my security. I surrender my bank account. I surrender everything to you. Whether I base or I bound, it doesn't make any difference. God is still God. He's still on the throne. And my life is in His hands. Amen. Daniel 11.32, and I'm going to close with this, maybe. He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. Oh my. The seduction of this nation. The seduction of the church. But the people who know their God. Where do we start this out? Do you know God? The people who who know their God shall stand firm and take action. They will stand firm. And take action. King James said they will do great exploits. It's time. It's time to surrender. It's time to say, I surrender all. You don't own anything anyway. How many own the next hour? You don't know. Oh, you got right here, right now. I own my house. No, you don't. You can't take it with you. And if the government has their way, they're going to tax you till they own it. 
Are you going to surrender? It comes down to this. This is what surrender really is. Pastor Herman talked about identity. Let me bring you into this part of identity. Not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. Not how I want to work it out. You tell me how things are going to go. And Lord, when I get off track, when you say go straight and I turn left, and I will, Holy Spirit, will you direct me back to where I'm supposed to be? And you know what he says? Gladly, son. He said, I'll talk about it. He said, if I have to take a sledgehammer and get you in attention, I'll do that. But I love you enough to get you back on track. Because you see, I see, I love you, God. I love you so much. I don't want it to be my way. I want it to be your way. I want you to stand to your feet. I just want you to be quiet for a minute. I don't want any music. I don't want anything. I just want you to be quiet before the Lord. I started this thing off when we listened to Deion Sanders. And he said he had an encounter with God. This morning, Pastor Herman said it three times. I'm going to say it number four. You need a you need an encounter with God right now. If you'll just be quiet and I'll be quiet, God's going to get on you. When he does, you can holler, shout, run, cry. I don't care. Holy Spirit, we wait on you. Not the words of a man, not the love of a man, but the love of our God. We stand in your presence, surrendered to you. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.